You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. And 30 minutes of socks starts right now. It's the podcast for fans, by fans, all socks. I'm Chris. Dave is off this week, but don't worry, as Major League Baseball is about to kick off their 2020 season. Finally, even though it's only 60 games in the regular season, we have a great guest lined up for you today to talk about the ins and the outs, who's making the roster, who isn't. Is Jerry Reinsdorf really broke? What was behind the guys that got fired from the White Sox organization this past week? There is so much to cover, and it's all brought to you by our fine sponsors, Family Waterproofing Solutions. Veteran-owned, female-owned, family-owned, located on the south side of Chicago, but covering all of northern Illinois and northwest Indiana, Family Waterproofing Solutions gives a portion of their proceeds to veterans and first responder organizations. And they have great socks in the basement deals. You heard the details at the beginning of the show. In case you missed that web address, famws.com. Check them out today. Already this week, we've seen some fun things around Major League Baseball and some ridiculous things. They're already starting to plunk Astros players in exhibition games. Gordon Wittenmeyer actually wrote on NBC Sports Chicago that Nico Horner of the Cubs is just like Luis Robert and somebody should break his computer in half and never let him write again. Wow. I'm pretty sure that Robert's going to prove that wrong over and over again for the next 10 to 20 years. If you ever want to point out something ridiculous or bring up something that we talked about, or if you have a question, we're always available. 708-459-8406. That number is available 24-7, 365. Leave a message just like this one. Hi, um, Brian Feldt. I'm just uh, listening to your podcast. I enjoyed it. First time listening. Um, the thing on Michael Kolpik, very strange. I'm surprised you guys didn't mention it. I really think one of the things that nobody talks about is that Kopech wasn't guaranteed a starting spot in the line in the rotation this year. And I, I'm just curious if that was one of the things that made him think of not playing this season because he was going to be a spot starter or coming out of the bullpen. So I would, I would look into that angle of it and wonder about that. Thanks for listening. Bye. I don't know if that's why he sits out this year, but we did talk about it last week that Michael Kopech is not guaranteed a spot in that starting rotation. He's definitely not guaranteed a spot next season. And guys like Dunning and Lambert who are showing their stuff and all the guys that are currently on the roster and Rodon is going to be a hundred percent. If he's not a hundred percent right now, coming off of Tommy John surgery, there's really not a place for him until he goes out and he earns it. Again, it was a strange thing. Dave and I thought it was a weird decision by him. It's hard to judge in the age of COVID, but he may not have just given up one year of free agency. He may have given up two there, like we talked about last week. And if you didn't listen to last week's show, Andy Mazur, voice of the White Sox, now on the radio. And discussions about Michael Kopech were included. It's always on demand everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SoxInTheBasement.com. James Fox, beat reporter, next, right here in the basement. Let's go. 
Joining me on the phone line right now, and you know when I sat down and I said to myself, what are we going to do for the month leading up to real baseball coming back? I penciled in all these different folks that we had jump in. We've heard from Scott Merkin. You know, we had Andy Mazer on last week. But the guy I wanted to hear from is our old friend from Southside Hit Pen and Future Sox. James Fox is on the line with us right before the season kicks off. How are you, buddy? Oh, good, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you coming on. There's so much that I want to cover today. I want to talk about your boy, Luis Robert, who is, of course, the guy that you, you're the one who broke that the Sox were going to sign him and, and get him locked in before the season started, well before all the craziness and the lockdowns and everything else in the world imploding on itself. No baseball, then baseball. You were there with that. I don't want anybody to ever forget it. That's why you have it pinned to the top of your Twitter page. You don't want anybody to forget it either when you beat the national media and the local media. So let's jump into him right away. Uh, what are you getting right now? You're watching him. You're watching him on TV. I know you've been to the ballpark. You got a press pass. You're sitting there and you're watching him live. Is it everything you hoped for and more? Uh, yeah, I, I think he might be pretty decent, Chris. Um, <laughs> so, he's getting Willie Mays comps right now. It's getting really ridiculous. Yeah. So I guess like the one that, you know, I'm only, you know, I'm 34, but the one that's like always kind of made the most sense to me is Eric Davis, I guess, which which would be pretty damn good, I think. But then you got people like he's a cross between what Bo Jackson and like Willie Mays. It's like holy crap! Wow. So I don't know, like you know, when he originally signed, and I've talked about this like a lot of places, like the defense was talked about, but but like not really. I think a lot of people kind of thought like you know he's this big like hulking slugger that will like eventually move to right field. And that's, like, not the case at all. And, you know, the first time anybody saw him in the minors, they were like, oh, like, this guy's different, right? Like, minor league broadcasters, you know, over at Future Sox, we have a relationship with a lot of the players. Um, and, and the players, you know, players know. Like, when you talk to players, like, players know who's good and who's not, right? And even when Luis Robert wasn't really producing yet, they were like, you know, this guy is an absolute stud. You know, I I had talked to uh, – you know, just like beat writers occasionally as they would go to minor league affiliates, you know, and it's like, so like, how good is it? You know, and it's just like a resounding, like he's different, right? He's like, he's like a freak of freaks. Like he's a superstar. I mean, he's a superstar. He's the kind of person that like you look at and you go, that's a superstar. Yeah. Like I think the freaks think he's a freak, you know? So like, it can, might he struggle here initially? Yeah, maybe because Look, he has a tw- he had a twenty one percent swinging strike rate at Charlotte, which which is not great. Now, you know he's super swing heavy because he doesn't really feel like walking because you know that old you know what what did Hawk always say like these guys don't walk off the island. But you know he's going to have to fix some of that. Like you saw in you know in the first exhibition game, like Hendricks got the best of him a little bit, but then he adjusted. So it's going to be about adjustments for him. And then, you know, what he did to Gerald Cotton the other night. I, I think the promising thing about that is, like, they're going to face a lot of a lot of Gerald Cottons, right? Like, I heard a lot of, like, oh, it was Gerald Cotton, it doesn't matter. Like, they've played 24 games against the Royals, the Tigers, and the Pirates. And, you know, those, those teams have a lot of bad pitching. So, you know, you can make a career out of murdering bad pitchers. And he, he's going to hit mistakes. And I think the biggest thing with him is, like, the defense in center field – is stellar. So even if he's not as great offensively as like everybody's expecting, like you and I have talked about this before, like what he brings defensively and on the bases, like will more than make up for that. I think. 
Now, before we talk more about what's going on with the team, and I know you've been inside the ballpark, I, I want to backtrack just a little bit to something that kind of broke since our last show, and that is that poor Jerry Reinsdorf is out of money. Uh, Jerry is <laughs> is is he's got nothing left. Uh, he's he's selling furniture, and he's in USA Today crying poor, talking about his losses. I think he counts his profit. And the fact that he didn't make profit as part of his losses, I don't know where he comes up with that crazy nine-figure number that he's losing because of COVID-19, but he's broke. Now, something stuck out, though, in the guys that he let go of, and it reminded me of a conversation we had. And James, if I'm crazy, you go ahead and tell me. But I remember when we you got on the air a while back and Nick Hostetler became the assistant to Rick Hahn. He became one of those guys in there and and we were talking back and forth with Nick and he's like, they don't want me in the public eye anymore. I'm just kind of like, I'm doing all these different things. You suggested the possibility that Nick was put in there because he's a good baseball mind. He could help out these other departments. He could help out pro scouting, could help out this without Jerry, who basically it's a job for life. If you're with Jerry, almost without Jerry having to move people on. Is it possible this was a great excuse to move on a few guys that weren't actually in step with what the White Sox were trying to do now compared to what the White Sox might have been trying to do 10 years ago? Guess what, Chris? You're not crazy. Thank um, you. <laughs> so, so, look, I'm, I'm, I don't feel bad for Jerry Reinsdorf. You, you know my thoughts on this. He's 100% um, looking at money that he was supposed to make that he's now not making and calling those losses instead of like what it actually is. Um, but, you know, we'll see what they spend going forward. Right. Like I've heard the whispers, even from prominent beat writers that are like, you know, that have basically heard the company line already. Like, Oh, the whole industry is not, nobody's spending like everybody's payroll is going to go down. Look, they get 50 million coming off the books and they're about ready to win. So like, you know, are they going to sign Mookie Betts? I don't know, but are they going to sign like, some guys, probably. What you're saying about the pro scouts is 100% accurate, in my opinion. I do not have anything solid on this, but I do know that Nick Hostetler has basically moved into that role in pro scouting, and he's Hans, like, right-hand man on that side of, of things. They didn't have anybody running pro scouting before. The way Reinsdorf organizations run, you're very familiar with. You just kind of, like, give a guy a new job, and, like, he doesn't do anything anymore, and he gets paid. You know, like, I thought last year they should have just said Nick Hostetler's moving to the pro side. He's the head of pro scouting. All these other people are under him. But, you know, why would you do that? Because then you have to, like, admit failure for some of these other people. Never let a good crisis go to waste, right? Like, we've talked about this. So, yes, they're, they, they're, they're firing some people who honestly probably weren't doing very much Anyway, I think one of the big hires going forward is uh, that Ben Hansen, who's the senior biomechanical engineer. If you're going to hire these people, you have to like let them, you know, impart their wisdom and do things that they want to do. I've heard it suggested that, you know, he's probably going to want four to five guys under him. And you know what? Guys like that are cheaper data guys. So you could bring in four to five young guys um, where, where you're, you know, you're using data as a scout. And then you have Nick Hostetler at the top of your, you know, your pro scouting side and you kind of like modify that department a little bit. I don't think those fire or those firings are necessarily a bad thing. Like as unfortunate as that is for like the people that got let go. Um, but as far as like the overall financial concerns, I'm actually going to wait, you know, like I I'll wait and see what they do this off season. And then if all these guys come off the books and they don't do anything and you're relying on, you know, like a, 
Cuban free agent signing and like, that's all you do, then yeah, then, then trust me, like you guys can line up with torches behind me, but I, I need to see, you know, I, I, I need to see what they're going to do before I buy into the fact that like, you know, these losses are going to destroy them. Yeah. And that's the thing. He's still a businessman. And I found it so funny though. The whole idea of like, well, we're broke. There's like 17 people lining up to try to buy the Mets right now. <laughs> it's like valued at like billions of dollars. Trust me, Jerry, Jerry, yeah. Jerry could get rid of one team and make up for his losses easily on the other team. He's not looking to do that. So I think this is all greatly exaggerated. And like you said, I think this is a way to, to clean house without anybody losing face. Like everybody gets to go, well, you know, it was because of the economy. It wasn't because I wasn't doing anything anymore over there. And that, that was the first thing that struck me. And I just thought about that conversation that we had way back when, when Hostetler moved. And I was like, that's gotta be it. Well, what do you, look, what do you think these pro scouts are making? 70 to hundred K probably. I mean, look, if you got to fire 70, are you going to fire six to seven like employees that make under a hundred thousand dollars and like that's going to fix your financial problems. I mean, come on, right. Come on. man. Like that, that's <laughs> like, that's no, that that's like a shuffling. And honestly, look like I've, I've been the guy that's criticized them for never, ever, ever firing anyone. So like, you know, I wasn't going to like jump on Twitter and destroy them for like firing some longtime employees. Like, I don't want anybody to get fired, but it's, you know, it's part of the business. It happens to everybody else in, in the real world. It just doesn't happen as often in the White Sox organization. So again, you feel bad for anybody that it happened to, but it's a part of life and, and we're going to have to move on. I want to talk about what it's like for you right now. You're starting to get some press access and getting into the ballpark and you got to watch one of these games. You got to watch the Cubs Sox game uh, at, over at the rate, the one that was at the home game. What is it like inside the ballpark when they're playing because we're hearing that pumped in crowd noise. And I just saw this thing that MLB is going to put an app out where you're going to be able to influence what the noise is going to sound like. And I'm just going to, whenever the Sox aren't playing, I'm going to watch Astros games and boo them with my app. If that's true. But I mean, what, what is it like right now when you're inside the ballpark? Yeah. So it's very, very strange. I was there last night covering um, for sports illustrated. It was my first time. I didn't really know what to expect, but yeah, like you can't hear anything in the ballpark. So, like, a player comes up to bat, they play that player's, like, you know, music when they walk up, but then that goes off, and that's it. It's like a sandlot game. Like, so um, they didn't even have fireworks last night. So when I'm in the park, like, you can hear cars zipping up and down, like, the Dan Ryan. There was a helicopter that was, like, right overhead that I literally thought was, like, aliens coming to take Luis Robert away. <laughs> um, you know, and like, so... I didn't realize that they pumped in the noise on the TV. Like I probably should have. Right. I was, so I was tweeting last night about how eerie it felt in the ballpark. And I'm like, you know, why, why are they not pumping in the noise? Well, obviously like, you know, they're, they're doing that on NBC sports, Chicago, they're not doing it in the ballpark. So, but I mean, yeah, these players, it's just like, you know, you're playing in the games like without any sounds and then, you know, they're going to spruce it up for TV a little bit. Like I, you know, I went back and checked out some of the games. And, and heard like what it, what it was actually going to sound like. But, you know, we're just like I'm looking around at these other media guys and you're typing away, like, you know, the players can probably hear all these guys up there typing away. Like, it was very, very strange. Can you hear them chattering? Because I got the impression last night before Aloy Jimenez hits the grand slam, I got the impression he was jawing at Edwin Encarnacion 
And they were joking. The team seems incredibly loose. There's a lot of chatter out there. Like when I play 16-inch softball and we're all drinking beers, like it's not quiet. Like everybody's chit-chatting and, and jawing at each other. And it was like he was like, hurry up and finish this at bat. And then he comes up right away and he hits that grand slam. And then he's talking around the base paths. And they seem like they're really loose. They're shouting to each other. Like, it, are, are you picking up, like, what they're saying when they're on the field with each other? And what's the chatter like? You can't you can't necessarily, like, hear what they're saying, but you can definitely, like, see the playful nature of it. Like, Tim Anderson, obviously, like, he got a double, and then he was yelling, like, that's how you hit 335 or something. You know, like, you know, he, so he's <laughs> out there. Like, it didn't seem like they're, like, you know, like, taunting the Cubs or anything, but it, they're definitely, like challenging each other and Eloy Jimenez and uh, Encarnacion like know each other from uh, from the homeland that's like one of the reasons why Encarnacion's like on this team because we wanted to play with Eloy my guess is there though I wonder if the White Sox knew that like you know there was like a slaughter rule in place for the you know first inning like little league that nobody else really knew about and that you know they're like if you're gonna beat this guy you better do it soon because he's like at his pitch limit or whatever it was like you know I don't know if I don't know how many people caught that last night, but they only got two outs in the first inning for you Darvish. And then they just kind of were like, all right, well, we slaughter run, slaughter ruled him. So we're going to just like let the Cubs hit now. It was very, very weird. Yeah, it is strange. I saw something the other night where Aaron Judge got to come up with three outs and still got to bat and hit a home run. So it's been it's been weird, but I get what they're doing before baseball actually starts. But I, I love the playful nature. I love the fact that they seem like they're having a good time. I mean, they're joking around with each other, and they're having a good time, and they're cocky, though. And it's a good cockiness. And 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 T.A. seems to be the guy that's leading it almost. Like, he has no problem telling people he's on ESPN the other day, basically saying, the thing I'm most surprised of is you guys actually want to talk to me, basically. Like, that you even know who we are. Like, I love that. I love that little chip, but it's not like an angry chip. It's more of like, hey, we're good. We know we're good. We're young. We're hungry. Let's go get it. And this is going to be a fun couple of months. And you just feel that. And I think that Sox fans are just are picking up on that energy and tr- and they want to ride this train as well. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of the guys that saw this team in spring training were saying, like, the same things, that they were, like, incredibly loose. Um, and, you know, over 162, I think it's kind of like, you know, the long season can get the best of a young team, right? Like, you're, you're like this, and then you get humbled quickly. But in a 60-game season, I mean, anybody has a shot, right? So, I mean, if they come out the gates hitting like this, you know, I don't know. I mean, they they could win the KL pennant. Like, it, you know, it's just kind of it's crazy. So, the team definitely they're definitely having fun. They definitely like each other. You can totally tell like the length added to the lineup, right? Like after seeing them at Wrigley the other night, you know, like it, Chris, it's almost like going out and spending money on like the second best catcher in baseball and the best DH in baseball. Like, makes sense for teams. That, that, <laughs> that you know that that might that might have been a good idea. I think. Like, you know, you add you add professional hitters to a lineup and you wonder like, Oh wow. Why is the White Sox lineup better? Well, well, because you know, you, you went out and spent money and you didn't even spend that much money. It's not that hard to like put together a representative offense. Now, if you think, if you think they don't have enough pitching to compete, like, yeah, like I, you know, I, I could go with you on that, but they're, they're going to hit. And I think they've like proven that they're going to hit because even the guy that like, we're just talking about Tim Anderson is what like your fifth or sixth most important player probably even though he's like the face of your entire marketing campaign i mean tim anderson was was doing this stuff like before he was good right remember when the Sox didn't and you know they they didn't sign manny machado and we were all pissed off and like everybody was furious and what did tim anderson say he said like join in or get and 
or get run over or whatever. Like, right. you know, he was saying that he was saying that like, and he sucked the year before, you know, like he, he wasn't even good yet. And he, that was like his attitude was like, nah, we're, we're going to be good. Like we're coming and we're going to prove it to you. The thing the other night on ESPN was great because, you know, like nobody in Chicago saw it. It was just on Twitter and I think it was like, you know, a lot of the Sox bloggers that are like out of state guys, like Jim Margulis had it. And there, I think there were like a couple other guys that were out of state and they, they posted it. Like I couldn't find it because they're black. ESPN was blacked out here. I, w- I wasn't surprised at all. I mean, home, Tim Anderson moved his family to Flossmore. You know, he bought into the whole South side thing. Like, you know, he's staying, he doesn't go to Miami in the off season. He stays here. So I think, while I think like his money Grindall and Edwin Encarnacion and, you know, those guys are, are probably a little bit more important, like, as far as, like, going forward. You know, I think Tim Anderson's, like, the you know, the ringleader for some of that other stuff. And it's a, you know, it's a fun team. Like, if you're if you're a kid right now in Chicago, like, which team are you going to be a fan of? Yeah, it's definitely going to be the team with the moxie and the, and, and the excitement and the youth and everything else like that. Let's talk about Anderson and the other guys that are in the infield. Now, Dallas Keuchel comes out. Ground ball pitcher loves the. He induces more ground balls than anybody's ever induced ground balls in the history of ground balls. Just what he does. And you see Moncada making great plays over at, at third. You see Abreu make this incredible play well back behind first base and flip it to Keuchel as he's covering first. You got Anderson over at short. You got Madrigal over at second. And he got the start in the infield during the Keuchel game. If I want the best infield on the field behind a Dallas Keuchel or defensively, in my mind, that's your best foursome in the infield. And I am hearing guys like Lucas Giolito basically say, how could this guy not make the team? How could this guy not be a regular part of this team? And what is your feeling? I know it's hard for you to figure out what the White Sox are going to do, but if Larry Garcia is playing second base instead of Nick Mandrigal, I don't think you're as good because I love the defense and the team itself seems to want him there. What do you, what's your take? Yeah. So like, you know, the more I've seen Nick Madrigal, look, it, it is like a low ceiling. I think I understand like the concerns that people have for like the overall profile, but he's definitely their best defensive second baseman. Like that, that's like not even a question. Like he understands the angles. He understands like, you know, he, he makes perfect throws from spots. It's not a great arm, but like, you know, it's a good enough arm, right? It's like, like David Eckstein used to do from short. Like the guy is just barely out like every single time, but he's out every single time. Um, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't, I don't know if he's going to start with the team. The roster is like very strange. Like, look, it's a 60 man player pool, but all of your first 30 that are like on your opening day roster has to be on the 40 man. And the White Sox 40 man is currently at 39. And anybody not on the 40 man would need to be added to be on the 30 man. So it's very like, it's confusing, but it's also, I don't know who they'd like be willing to cut bait on. Like if you need to um, designate a guy or two for assignment, you would think like Sebi Zavala is on the 40. Maybe that's the guy they deem expendable. You have some pitchers that you protected, Matt Foster, you have Jose Ruiz. Um, so to add anyone, like look, Nick Madrigal is going to be on the team either Friday or soon after. But, I mean, you got other guys out of the bullpen. you got Cody Hoyer, you know, who was a six-round pick a couple of years ago that's thrown absolute fire out of the bullpen. I mean, to add him, he'd need to be added on there. If you wanted to, like, you know, bring on, like, a Ross Detweiler or one of those types, just, like, you know, in case you get in trouble in a game and you just, like, want a rubber arm out there. You know, a Nicky Delmonico. 
the guy who many thought were gonna was gonna start at third base if Moncada wasn't ready, Chesler Cuthbert. So like any of those guys like need to be added to the forty to go on the actual roster. And I just like don't know if it's worth it because you know, you have a thirty man roster for two weeks and then a twenty eight man roster for two weeks and then the rest of the year it's at twenty six. So uh, th- those are like my storylines for the next week, just seeing like what, what they do here and seeing if they, you know, if they make some transactions, I tweeted earlier that some transactions could be coming. And then of course, like I'm getting DMS from people like, Oh, what's going to happen? I'm like, no, that was me. Just like, you know, just guessing. Just being, I don't, <laughs> people people I don't, think you have the inside word, James. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know what's happening to Carson Fulmer. He's still here. I think. So I, I'm not sure. Here's my thing. I still think that Nick Madrigal, even if you're down to 26 guys, should be one of your 26 guys. I, I, I just, some, you know, not everything is a long ball, and he's not one of these guys that's got, I don't see why you would care about the extra control over a second baseman, and I think at this point, this is this guy's good. The team wants him around, and yeah. you want to support that pitching staff, and you, I'm telling you right now, Dallas Keiko wants him in there. Lucas Giolito wants him in there. The, the pitching staff wants him standing behind him. And, and and I'm sure there's a lot of the guys in the team that are going to be scratching their heads like, I thought we were going for it this year if he's not on that roster opening day. Yeah, and I think, I think it's like a, a principled stance, right? Like, it's very easy for us to see that right now and be like, yeah, just play him on the team. So, like, look at, like, from their perspective, and I agree with you, I don't think he's, like, getting some $250 million deal where you need to, like, suck an extra year out of him. But if he were to start with the club on Friday, right, and he plays this whole year, he gets a full year of control for playing in 60 baseball games, and then they'd get him for five more seasons, right? Whereas, like, you know, their plan to get a full season this year, you need to be in, or you need to be on the team or on the 25 or whatever for 61 of 66 days. So, you know, if they sent him down for a week, which everybody's sick of hearing about by now. And I understand that then you bring him up. Well, then you get him for what the rest of this year, like 52, 53 games plus six more seasons after this one. So you know, I, I just, like, think that's the way clubs look at it. Like, the Dodgers sent down Gavin Marks today, and people were, like, scratching their heads over that. And I was like, yeah, I mean, you know, like, te- teams are just, like, reluctant to give a full year, I guess, of service on a 60-game season when, honestly, they, they really don't have to, like, as gross as it is. You know what? If the Dodgers are doing it, maybe we should follow them. They've done a pretty good job. Uh, managing players and contracts and being good for a long, long time. So I, well, I rescind, well, I rescind I, everything. If the Dodgers are doing it, let's just do what the Dodgers do. Well, so I don't know if you remember, like the Padres did it right. Like right. The, the Padres, the Padres kept Fernando Tatis on the team because their veteran players were like, "Oh, you got to keep this guy, right? Like he's got to stay up. He's awesome." Now, and they got lauded for that. It was like, "Oh yeah, the Padres they really care about winning." Fast forward to what four years from now, when the Padres still aren't good and. Fernando Tatis is a free agent at the age of 25 and everybody's pissed that like, you know, they didn't like get the extra year of control. So it makes sense. I think for, for this white Sox team in this season, because if you're, you know, you, you, you're trying to win a division and you can't really make the argument that Larry Garcia or Danny Mendick is better than Nick Madrigal. Even if it is just like, even if Madrigal doesn't hit it all, but your defense is much, much better with him at second, Robert in center, and your, you know, your new like your new catcher back there. So I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't bet on him starting with the team. And the beat writers kind of have already seemed like, you know, they've already kind of gotten word that he's like not going to be on the team because you know it's, the justifications have started. Um, 
but yeah, like I, I'm with you. Like if you want your best, uh, your best 30, he's, he's on there. James Fox, Southside hip pen, future socks, and an awful lot of fun to talk to. And I appreciate each and every time that he comes on socks in the basement. My friend, we're out of time. Uh, I'm not even going to have Dave on this week. That was just such good stuff. Forget him. So <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he won't mind. I don't think he cares. I think he needs a break. So James, you have a good one and have fun at the ballpark. And if they continue to not pump in any crowd noise, you just call me up on the phone and I'll do this in the, in your ear. I'll go. Ah, that's all you need. Just get some, get some crowd noise pumped into that room. Okay. Tell those guys to liven up. I'll just like put you on speaker in the press box. Right. Like, I'll cheer. I'll cheer and I'll boo and I'll drive everybody nuts. All right, man. Thanks for having me. We'll see you. So Friday it begins three against the twins at home, then on the road against the Indians and the Royals before heading off to Milwaukee. And at some point, hopefully Nick Madrigal joins the team just in case he doesn't start the season with the team. We will see you next week on Socks in the Basement. Make sure you are subscribed to the show. Check your subscription. Some people are not getting the notifications because they took so much time off when there was no baseball. Make sure you're subscribed. Share it with your friends. Thank you very much for checking us out. We will see you next week on the podcast for fans, by fans. Found everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SocksInTheBasement.com. Bye-bye, everybody. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.